Law Podcast. My name is Joshua Barron. Barrington. Jay is a lawyer who no longer practices. He now helps lawyers become thought leaders and build profitable legal practices. I've known Jay for a long time. We met on LinkedIn, and I highly recommend that you follow him. He posts great content that has helped me use LinkedIn more effectively. In this episode, Jay taught me how to find your audience and how to serve them best. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Jay, thanks so much for being with me. Um, I'm, I've learned so much from you on LinkedIn about how to kind of develop expertise and to show that expertise. Um, and I just want to talk to you today about how criminal defense lawyers can do that. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you think about that and how lawyers can, I, I know that you do it on LinkedIn, but, but what's the best way that lawyers can develop and show their expertise? Yeah, well, I think I think certainly, especially in this environment, and I I think you know ever since COVID, it's become a necessity. But it was even um, happening. I think the trend was rooted in place even before that, which is um, sharing one's ideas uh, in order to create awareness, visibility, and trust with an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as a professional service services provider, in this case, a criminal lawyer. Um, giving people a sense that you're an expert um, by, again, sharing your ideas, packaging them, um, disseminating them for an audience. And as a result of that, they come to become aware of you, um, come to trust you over time. And ultimately, you know, when someone has a urgent need, um, the idea is that they hire you as a result of that. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a few ways to do it. Joshua, I know you're a big proponent of referrals, which I think are amazing. Um, But if it's not gonna be a referral, um, in many cases, you know, the, the best way for someone to be able to make a determination between two people, I mean, if it comes down to two things, one is one of which is an ad, which is pretty transparently, you know, just a, um, a, a paid promotion of a person. And another one is a, an article where someone's sharing their ideas on the very topic that the person might be uh, dealing with. You know, I think the person who's creating the, and sharing the thought leadership is going to be the one who gets the call or the lead mm. in that instance. Mm. So, you know, it's not it's not necessarily about um, you know where you're doing this. I, I know we we integrate or sorry we we um, communicate and collaborate and and have interaction on LinkedIn, and we oftentimes talk about that as a thought leadership platform. But it's really anywhere, right? Anywhere your audience is searching mm. for information. Um, but the underlying principle being create content that showcases your expertise uh, for your specific audience so that you can gain awareness and ultimately build trust with that audience um, Mm. over time. Yeah. It seems to me like you're talking about those two cases, one where there's an ad and one where there's the, the article or the information or thought leadership. It seems like one is kind of telling people that you're an expert and the other is kind of showing them that, that you're an expert. Is that kind of how you see that, that distinction? Yeah. Yeah. We often, I I think of it in terms of, you know, you can either, you can either buy attention. um, And I I think most people, you know, they, they can identify advertising when they see it. And so they don't, they don't attribute a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of trust built through an advertising um, relationship or you can earn attention. And that might be, you know, your um, creating and and publishing uh, an article on a topic of interest to an audience. It might be um, cultivating yourself as a expert source um, for the media, um, who's someone they call when they need an opinion on a, on a topic uh, for a story they're doing. This is the important distinction um, where, you know, again, w- when it comes down to 
making a decision as to who to hire for something is is um, important as you know a, a potential criminal conviction. Um, are you going to rely upon just you know Google to place your name in front of one and count on someone clicking, or are you going to be the person who is um, doing the hard work that's necessary to be known for your ideas, not just because you could be the highest bidder on a on a keyword? Yeah, I, and I've seen you that it seems like you work with people who are starting at sort of zero in this space; they've never done it before. What do you think is the biggest obstacle that get, keeps people from going from like zero to that first step? Um, what, mm-hmm. what are the objections that you hear and, and maybe how do you resolve this? Yeah, sure. Um, so one would be just really uh, not having an understanding of how this all you know, connects and how, how you know, that, that leads to the creating and, and sharing content leads to new business opportunities. And and just really not getting what the potential ROI is on that. Um, and that, that really is, there's, there's studies, you can go out and educate yourself on some of this information, but there's a study from um, Gartner in the world of, this is a different world, it's not criminal law necessarily, but they're talking about buyers of um, B2B services in mm. this case, and how um, they're, to, the typical buyer is getting 60 to 70% of the way to, uh, the way through the buying process before they're ever actually reaching out to a particular service provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what that means is they're doing their due diligence online. Um, they're vetting people on the basis of their thought leadership. Uh, and, and there's other stats. Uh, there's a study um, done by LinkedIn and Edelman that, that says something very similar where uh, buyers of all types of services are increasingly putting more and more importance on things like thought leadership in terms of being will- willing to hire someone in the first place, pay higher fees, um, consider someone to be more credible and authoritative as a result of the content they're creating. So understanding the opportunity, I think, is big. Um, sometimes people think, well, I'm just looking, marketing is something I outsource and and thought leadership is something that you can to an extent, but it, there's definitely much more of um, oneself that needs to be poured mm-hmm. into this process. Um, so I think a second one would be, you know, just time for example, like this stuff takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to sit down and write a long form article, um, that kind of thing. You know, 1500 words might take me five, six hours to research and write something like that. Um, my, my response to that would be, um, it's, it's, it's unlike other forms of marketing, um, creating thought leadership content in the sense that it oftentimes is very evergreen, right? It continues to work for you over time. It remains visible to people. So it's not a, this is not like an ad appearing in a magazine and disappearing the minute the next, you know, the next week's version of that magazine comes out. This is content that's speaking for you, that's living online, that can you know create a positive return on investment, uh, uh, return on investment over time. Um, that you know you can't, you simply can't generate that same sort of return with other forms of marketing. Um, and and there's ways to cut down on the amount of time required to do this type of work. Um, one of my favorite, we'll call it a, a tip or a hack in this case, would be, you know. Have, gaining a better understanding of what types of ideas resonate with your audience. So the way that I oftentimes advise clients to do that is finding the platform, oftentimes the social media platform, where the type of people you're trying to reach um, are spending their time and attention and creating short form content there, quite a bit of it, 
um, which will then help you to discern and identify the signals among the noise um, related to the content you're creating. Mm. And if particular ideas, particular um, you know, short form content that you're creating and sharing is really resonating with your audience, well, then that's a really positive signal that it's worth investing more time into that effort um, in order to uh, kind of, rather than just creating something blind and investing five or six hours and creating a piece of content, um, you're spending 30 minutes creating something short form and then knowing with much greater uh, uh, confidence that that's worth investing the time into to create something longer. Yeah. It's sort of like interactive writing where you're writing, mm -hmm. you're getting feedback in almost real time. So you can, you can say, okay, write more, write more of that or write more in that style. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. really great. Um, let me, can I tell you about what sometimes we call thought leadership and, you know, I'm just interested in your thoughts on, is this the right way? What would you advise this person? So I have a really good friend who I send a lot of referrals to. He's fantastic. Um, but sometimes he um, publishes a divorce newsletter mm -hmm. and he sends it, you know, if he, he meets someone new, a lot of times he'll say, Hey, can I put you on my newsletter? And you know, if, if it's face to face, it's hard to say no to that. And people will say, sure. And then he'll um, publish sort of updates and divorce law, appellate court opinions, things like that. Um, is that, I mean, from my perspective as a criminal attorney, getting that newsletter isn't super valuable, um, because I don't really want to stay up to speed on divorce law, but at the same time, you know, when I see it in my inbox, it makes me think of him. So like, is that something that you would consider? Is that the kind of thing people should be doing or what would you, what would you adjust in that person's strategy? Yeah. Well, I think that that is, um, I think it can be valuable. I, I think sometimes what, what people, I think, it, you know, especially we're talking about someone who's a, a solo practitioner or working in a small firm, you, you're not going to get everything perfect. So that scenario might be pretty common where, for example, you've got people on your email list where the content you're creating and sharing isn't particularly relevant to them, but it's for the purpose that you described, Joshua, which is to stay top of mind. Mm -hmm. And that's important in and of itself. Um, now, in an ideal world, your email list uh, that you're going to be um, disseminating that sort of content to is, is really one that you, you know with a high level of confidence that most everyone on the list is going to be interested in, in that, that particular topic. But I think on balance, the, the difference between um, sending someone something or not sending anything at all, even if it's not particularly relevant, I would say send it. Uh, mm -hmm. Email is a great way to Email is a great way to stay in touch with people. Um, and, you know, people find their way onto lists and, and know how to get off of lists like that. But I, I would call that a form of thought leadership. I would just say the more clear you can be as to what you're offering through your thought leadership and why people should be paying attention to you and what types of ideas you share, that allows you to kind of cultivate and people to either, you know, select in or select off of whatever you're, you're doing, whether that be following you on social media or um, unsubscribing or subscribing to your email newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, again, getting back to this notion of an ideal world, you'd be able to create content that's relevant for everyone in your ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So there'd be some, there's some newsletter just for you, which is, you know, on tips on running a successful law firm, but not everyone has the bandwidth to do that. So mm -hmm. I'd say, you know, if, again, in the choice between uh, the two alternatives of, being, you know, good enough, but maybe not perfect and, or not doing anything at all, I would say, you know, opt for being good enough in that mm, instance. That's really interesting. So, um, so go from zero to one, even if you're, even if it's mm -hmm. not dialed in yet and then, totally. you know, get feedback and, and adjust it. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. 
tell me about areas. Like, do you feel like there are certain practice areas that um, are more kind of, this is kind of an easier thing to do, or they're more, or is it just like everybody should be doing it? It's equally successful for everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that um, it can be equally successful for any practice area, because I mean, at the end of the day, we're all competing for the same thing. Again, it's, it's visibility and trust. Um, I don't care what you're doing. Those are kind of the, the building blocks of business development. Now, the approach is much different, right? I would say that someone who is you know, uh, uh, doing sophisticated intellectual property work I think it's a little easier for them to understand how it, how to connect their ideas to the audience they're trying to serve because it's a very narrow niche. They know exactly who's buying that type of thing, you know, sophisticated business clientele for the most part. There are a handful of publications like Managing IP and others that you know, are the are tailor made. That's that's the ecosystem of attention for that particular audience. So that you know. It's not to say that it's more important for that type of practice to be doing, you know, creating and sharing thought leadership content. It just might be easier for them to wrap their arms around what to do, right? The right. formula is sort of baked in. Now, a criminal, a, you know, criminal lawyer who's doing sort of a general criminal law practice, it's a little harder in a sense, right? Because everyone's a prospective client in a, right. in a way. Everyone and Unless, no one functionally. Yes, right? yeah. yes. Unless you start to think differently about it, like, okay, from for this marketing tactic, um, I'm going to have a different approach. Like I am going to, for example, um, think in terms of my thought leadership marketing efforts as being geared towards other lawyers who, who could become referral sources, which means I need to make sure I'm visible within the you know, the bar and other sort of legal trade associations within my state. And, and perhaps I'm using LinkedIn as a platform because I know other lawyers are, are um, on that platform. And I'm going to, I'm going to write content for them, not necessarily my end client, because I know they're going to be ones who can refer work my way. So I don't think it's, I don't think that criminal lawyers need to think differently about what the potential opportunity or the importance of thought leadership is for purposes of, marketing and building a practice. I just think they need to think about it maybe a little differently than someone who's got, you know, a, a corporate law practice might. Oh, that's, that's really insightful. Let's kind of, I kind of want to follow that thought a little bit mm-hmm. more um, because that's, I mean, what you've described is basically what I'm doing. And so now I'm going to be yep. really selfish and say, okay, give me some ideas about what I'm doing. But um, <laughs> so like no one would ever say, I might commit a crime one day. So I'm going to follow Josh Barron on LinkedIn Mm-hmm. And he'll tell me lots of stuff and I'll remember it. And then when I commit a crime, you know, like that's just an yep. unusual use case. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but 80 plus percent of my referrals come from other lawyers. So I almost never write about like a new criminal law case on LinkedIn. I, mm-hmm. Maybe I would, if I was really interested in it, but what I write about is topics that I think will be interesting to other lawyers. Like you said, you know, these are going to be the referral sources and mm-hmm. they're the ones who are going to connect me with the client. Um, so I, I, maybe, I guess my first question is, am I thinking about that? Right. Or is there a better way to think about that? And, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe I guess if you identified a different referral source, then you could just, you could just write content for that type of, that type of person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think that, um, I think you've, you're thinking about it in exactly the right way. And I, 
I, I can say that, meaning I think I would do the exact same thing as you. Like, that's what I believe I would be focused on in terms of using LinkedIn um, to, to reach people. Uh, because, you know, I don't know, again, I never, I, when I, when I practice law, I never did any sort of criminal law, but I could, you know, if I was in a, if I was in a, a bad spot, um, and let's say I wasn't a lawyer in the first place, I would go to anyone I, who I knew was a lawyer probably to say like, Hey, I need to, I, I need help. Um, where should I go? Who should yeah. I contact? Yeah. Um, so I want, you know, as, as someone doing criminal law, I'd want as many lawyers out there to know, you know, and think of me um, as the obvious go-to choice. And, and that, so I, so I think you're absolutely targeting the right audience and thinking about it in the right fashion in terms of using thought leadership for that. Um and yeah, I would say that, you know, regardless of who that audience is that you're trying to generate referrals from, I mean, I know I have a, I have a friend who is doing like tax dispute resolution work um, for individuals and he's on LinkedIn, but is again, his client, I mean, I guess his client base could be, but again, everyone could be a client, right? He's right. not he's not, he can't go out and target people who might have not paid their taxes in 2016. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, but he can go out and speak to um, the, the com consumer bankruptcy lawyers mm. uh, that have these types of clients with these issues and the CPA world who might be, you know, trying to help the, the person with some of the, um, the tax issues. So it's, it's just a matter of saying, all right, what is the, you know, where is the channel of like, you know, an investment banker would call it or a VC guy would call it deal flow. I mean, in this uh -huh. case, it's, it's case flow and, and who are the gatekeepers to those opportunities. And, and if they're on link, if, if I'm using LinkedIn, I've got to make sure they're there. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Because I know that, I know that LinkedIn is not just one giant, you know, homogenous pool of 750 million people. It's all of these niche silos of people who have common interests, job titles, they're participating in different industries. And if I want to use thought leadership to reach those people and have them thinking of me as an expert and potentially refer work my way, I need to immerse myself within those communities. So that's all about identifying that community and then creating content that is relevant and interesting to that audience. I love that. Let me see if I can kind of summarize what we've talked about so far. So sort of step mm -hmm. one is like, don't overthink it, do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something is better than nothing. So don't, don't obsess about getting the exact right strategy. Just start. Yeah. And um, maybe something that we could add to this and, and tell me what you think about this is that like, you're going to guess wrong, no matter what your first step is. So you're going to get feedback yeah. and you're going to adjust. So that's step one. And then mm -hmm. two is to try to think about who you want to reach, where those people are and how you can serve them in that environment. So once you get in the, in the habit, of doing something, then start to calibrate who you're doing it for and, and where. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. It, it is about, it's very much about knowing your audience. Um, so yeah, I'm committing to this strategy. Um, I'm going to focus on my actions, not necessarily the immediate outcomes from those mm -hmm. actions. And, and, but as part of that, I'm going to start thinking strategically, which is, you know, again, who is my audience? Am I trying to talk to my you know, the, the, the end client, or am I trying to communicate with, uh, referral sources or both? And where do those audiences, we talk about this, where they spend their time and attention. Mm. Um, and I know I need to be showing up with my ideas in those places. Um, and then 
I would say, you know, from there, I think this is probably where we're heading next, which is, okay, what's the next step? It's continuing to refine one's ability to come up with good ideas for content mm. and deliver it in a, in a way that is connecting with people. Right. Yeah. So that, that really is one of the big challenges for um, would be content creators is I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to run out of ideas. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we both create content on LinkedIn. Um, it, it can be a challenge. It takes time, <laughs> yes. you know, um, but, but I would say that, yeah, I would say that in general, in speaking to people um, who are are creating content, most go through the experience of like, it's kind of like exercising or whatever, starting a new routine can be very hard at first as you start to develop the habit. But at some point, it, you sort of hit that um, threshold where it starts to become even easier, right? Mm. Doing it more frequently than less frequently. Mm. Like you're, you're in the routine, it's become habitual. And the reason for that, I believe, is that once you start creating more content, you become much more conscious of the types of ideas that are the basis of good content. So mm -hmm. what I mean by that is you start having conversations with clients and they start, you notice the patterns. They start asking the same types of questions. Well, that's, that's fodder for content. Or mm -hmm. you're reading something in the newspaper and it strikes you and it's like, oh yeah, that could be a really good um, basis for an article mm. or, um, you know, you're researching an issue, uh, and, and you're noticing like this, you know, sort of oddity or dis discrepancy in how, you know, some legal issue was resolved within your practice area or the statutory, you know, conflict between statutes or something like that. That's great. That's great fodder for content. Um, so in any event, you become much more attuned to the types of ideas that are always around you, but you may have just missed um, mm -hmm. when you didn't have this objective in the back of your mind, um, which, and now that you do, because you're becoming more active, you, you're just getting a better, you're developing better taste for ideas that might mm -hmm. be the basis of good content. That's so I think a, that's really important. Yeah. I think that's something that like something that I just absolutely despise is to sit down on like a lot of times on Saturday, I'll write my posts for the week. And mm -hmm. if I sit down with a blank page, it's going to oh. be rough. It's going to be rough. So, yep. Yep. cause it's, I just get so anxious and scared, like that. I'm not going to come up with something good. Um, mm -hmm. and so I think that that could be an obstacle to people starting just feeling like, how am I going to keep it up? If I commit to do this for say six months, you know, that's, that's a lot of mm -hmm. ideas. How am I, how am I going to find six months worth of ideas? Um, so, so it seems like, so when you run out of ideas, that could tell you a couple of different things, right? Like it, it might tell you that you're not doing something that's valuable enough for this audience, or you, it might tell you that you're writing about something you don't, you're not as interested in as you thought, or it might tell you that you're not reading enough in that area. I mean, what do you do mm -hmm. or what, what do you counsel your, your clients to do when they feel like they've just like hit the bottom of the, of the barrel? There's just no more ideas on the topic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that does happen. Um, I would say that a few things, one would be just, it's, it's, um, part of that is maybe feeling like you're running out of ideas. Um, another part of it is that you don't have a good process to capture those ideas. Cause there's one, there's one thing 
to be said for coming up with an idea. We've all been on a walk with our dog or, you know, taking a shower and come up with an idea and, and, but it, it's sort of fleeting. Right. And yeah. we never, we never actually remember what that idea was. Um, so having a mechanism to not only generate, but record ideas is important. Yeah. I find yeah. that that is, is one way to help, but um, you, you made an excellent point, which was you need to, you need to read more is what you said. And I believe that, you know, content consumption is very important for any content creator. You have to strike the right balance because I think many people spend too much time consuming and not enough time creating, but it is, it is for me, it's all about curating a good stream of, of content that can allow you to spark ideas um, for the content you're going to create. And, and I like, I, you know, you would think I'm creating mostly contacts. I do consulting work within the legal industry. I'd be really focused on, you know, reading about and listening to content in that space. But I really find that the best, most interesting ideas come from blending ideas outside of your discipline into, um, you know, what you're, what you're creating content about. So for example, you know, what are like, and I could see this applying in any for any legal practice, but like, what do we what can we learn from Nick Saban um, at University of Alabama about how he coach how, about how he coaches his team and apply yeah. that to how we run run a litigation matter, you know, know stuff that. like that. Or or what about um, Winston Churchill? You know, uh, kind of in, in, from a leadership perspective, can we learn about um, you know having a doing a closing argument for a jury? Or would I, I, these are the kinds of blended ideas from economics, behavioral economics, psychology, sports, history, pop culture, all of these things to me, um, if you, if you can think of them in those terms where you, you read something that, that just kind of interests you and you wonder, can I analogize this some way for my audience, for my discipline, um, that, that oftentimes is not only really interesting content that sets you apart from everyone else who's just sort of, you know, I don't know, taking a more conventional approach and it's just more fun to create that type of it's content. It's so fun. Yeah. yeah. Something that I found too, is to just think of, think of professions that are dealing with similar problems as mine and try to mm -hmm. think about how they, or just, like, so I was listening to this podcast. I wish I could remember which one it was, but um, they had a financial planner on and he was talking about how he builds relationships with his clients. Yep. And I was like, Oh, this, that, I mean, so it was like fresh, you know, mm -hmm. he hadn't yep. read all the same legal stuff that we've all read and the same books that we've all read. And he had some, and I was like, ideas one, two, and three would never work in our industry. We're not allowed to do those things, but four was gold, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so yep. um, I, yeah, looking outside of the industry can be, can be really powerful. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. And then uh, can I, can I have one more thing please, yeah. too? Um, I think that the other the other way to think about this in terms of coming up with good ideas is um, you know, something that is is important for more reasons than just coming up with ideas, but the notion of doing more storytelling too. Mm. We I think many lawyers have a, a hesitancy to or um, they have to to share more about themselves mm. um, and 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 kind of tell their story a little bit, right? Mm. Because the, the easiest way to come up with good ideas is just to think about our own experiences um, and, and create content that, that tells a little bit of a story about ourselves, not just, not just what we do, but who we are to an extent. I think that's important for many clients to understand. So if we think about our own personal and professional experiences um, and how that 
uh, kind of defines who we are, I think we can find another source of really good content for thought uh, leadership. I can't, I can't uh, endorse that. I, you know, I, my feeling is that you basically can't learn something without a story to attach it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you give information without a story, you're kind of requiring the audience to find a story in their own experience to attach that yep. to so that they can remember it. Um, That's right. But if you give them a story to attach the idea to, they don't have to use that story, but they have that as the default option unless they can think of a better one from their own experience. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can't, uh, I cannot agree with that enough. That's so good. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I love how you put that because it really is. It's about, you know, it's not just about, that's the mistake I think sometimes people make when we talk about storytelling. It's like, well, who cares about me or whatever? And it's like, it's not about you. It's about the person reading it. Like you said, you're, you're grounding. What you're doing is you're creating a framework where you're telling a story. Mm -hmm. You're um, then distilling the lesson from that story. And then you're providing someone with a takeaway. So like, here's what happened. Here's what I learned. Here's what you can learn from my experience. And if you can do that, like that's powerful for people. Yeah. And even if they disagree with it and it makes them think of an mm-hmm. experience that shows the opposite, you still done them the favor of triggering all that kind of thought. Yep. Uh, how long, so you kind of used an analogy earlier of like starting to work out. I've started 7 billion, uh, workout or fitness or health plans in my life. And yep. I, one question I always have is how long is this going to take? Like when, like, mm. you know, you, you don't want to keep going down a dead end and just banging your head against a wall. So like, do you think it's like six months? Do you think it's like until blank happens? Is there some trigger? How can you know, or at least see signs of life that maybe, maybe you're not making millions of dollars off of your content strategy, but, but that it's, it's, it's moving in the right, right direction. It's going to bear fruit eventually. Yeah, I think it's it really is all about um, you know you do have to have a long term perspective about it and uh, yeah and I I don't know I mean I hesitate to I put a put a particular date on it like oh it's going to take three months or six months or whatever but um, I I do think that it can happen relatively quickly especially if you are if you're kind of being thoughtful about a few things uh, sometimes it takes a really long time when you do what most lawyers end up doing at least to start, which is just defaulting to creating blog posts and putting, posting them on their own website, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, which means that you are completely dependent upon Google to send traffic your way through search results. And as we all know, it's really hard to compete in organic search. You can, you can definitely accelerate your ability to see results from you know, creating more thought leadership content if you think more in terms of finding where your audience is and publishing in those places where um, they, again, they've are, they're already spending their time and attention and they already trust those outlets. Mm-hmm. So what in those terms, when we think about it in those terms, it's like, what, what, what are the, what are the newspapers that your audience is reading? What are the podcasts it's listening to? Um, what are the, you know, conferences or events it's attending. And again, when we say audience here, we could be talking about referral sources um, oftentimes in the criminal law context. Um, and, and if you can put your ideas in front of those audiences, and again, where, where they're looking for those ideas, as opposed to just counting on them somehow stumbling upon your website, you're going to have a lot more success in terms of your thought leadership content. I mean, I, I'll tell you about my own evolution. It took, it took a long time. Um, I've 
created a tremendous amount of content over the last decade, but I started by thinking, oh, I'm going to build myself a platform. I'm going to create a blog mm. and I'm going to publish on that blog, you know, two, three times a week. And, um, and I did that. Uh, but it wasn't until I, you know, it clicked maybe after two years of sort of banging my head against the wall and said, you know, I wonder if I was to publish more of my content, um, you know, in the American lawyer or law.com or attorney at work, how that would work out. And then ultimately, you know, what if I just started instead of trying to promote my content that I publish elsewhere on LinkedIn, I just started creating content on LinkedIn directly. Right. You know, these, these things, these things happen over time, but it all has one common thread, which is, are you, are you putting, is there some barrier to your ideas getting to your audience? And if, and if there is, whether that be Google search or whatever, you're just the invisibility of your website to, to an audience in terms of their content consumption habits, you got to figure out where they're spent. They're, they're, they're looking for information of the variety yeah. that you're trying to provide. That makes me think of uh, an analogy that I'm articulating for the first time right now. So this could be dumb, mm -hmm. but it's <laughs> sort of like if the bar had this conference and there's everybody you want to talk to is there. And then instead mm -hmm. of going there, you set up just across the street, like your own right. conference. And you're like, come to the Josh Barron conference. It's better than the bar conference. And everybody's like, well, I already bought tickets to this one. And everybody I want to talk to is over here. And then you finally mm -hmm. buy a booth over there, but you don't say anything. You just say, the only thing the booth says is come to my conference. So I right. think that's what we're trying to do. Sometimes when we're trying to get people off of LinkedIn and into our our own platform that we built, like it's hard to build a platform. It's really mm -hmm. hard. It's hard to get 700 million people onto your site <laughs> every day, you know? Yeah. So if yeah. somebody's already done it for you, I mean, obviously there's some pros and cons, but maybe instead of saying, come to my separate conference that I just started and you've never heard of me, maybe just go where they already are and take that step out of the equation. Totally. No, it's a great, I love that analogy. Um, and and yeah, I mean, just to give people a sense of what we're talking about here and everyone's experience will be different, but I don't know I, if I was to look at my, you know, website data or analytics, you know, let's just say I, you know, I'll get, um, I'll get 500, an average of like 500 views on a blog post that I write and publish on my website over maybe, you know, over the course of a year, mm. um, yeah, if on 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 average, uh, my you know a LinkedIn post was is probably going to get somewhere between five and ten thousand views. Just one LinkedIn post every day. Add that up over the course of a year. LinkedIn content, five million uh, views annually. Um, website content like the blog or article content. I don't know. You know. 30, 40,000 views. It's yes. the scale. The scale is, and why is that? Because nobody cares about my website, right? No one is going to my website for information. They're going to places where their friends, their coworkers, their perspective, some people they can do business with and interact yeah. with people who are creating um, and sharing content. It's that's the platforms. They're not, they're not going to individual websites um, unless it's wall street journal or New York times or something like that. <laughs> or some your website famous. is not that right. exactly. Yes. Or someone right. famous. Well, even, even the case of famous people, they're leveraging the, the platforms too. Right. I mean, it might, be not, it might not be yeah. LinkedIn. It's yeah. yeah. Or TikTok. Yeah. That's how they're that's no, probably, I bet there's a small percentage of, of people actually going to all celebrities probably have websites very, they they have millions of Instagram followers. They probably, again, get, you know, tens of thousands of website views every yeah. year. Nope. Yeah. It's just the way it is. You've yeah. got to go where the audience is. Yeah. It's, it removes a lot of friction for them.
<clears throat> and they've got so much, so many things pulling on their attention. Why would we add a step? Why would we make it harder for them? Totally. Um, let me tell you a sign of life that I saw when I started publishing and, you know, it was meeting you. Like, mm. um, we, we didn't meet even like in real time until recently, but, um, I think Stephanie Marone introduced us. Is, does that sound mm-hmm. right to you? That sounds right. Yeah. And, um, and so we started kind of messaging or commenting on each other's mm-hmm. things. And I mean, you're probably never going to refer me a case just because of, you know, your circle and my circle probably don't overlap, mm-hmm. but, but just like having an individual relationship with an individual person, rather than some of the kind of metrics of views and likes, and just to mm-hmm. me, that was a big sign of life. And so, I mean, I think it's fun that we're having this conversation now. Um, we never would have met without LinkedIn and no. what a cool little miracle that is that um, we could learn from each other and, and uh, support each other. Um, and I, so I don't know, maybe that's a way that people can say like, what's something achievable that I can do this week. You may not be able to get to that huge viral post that gets quoted in the wall street journal, but, but mm-hmm. you could meet someone, you could start a conversation yeah. with someone and, uh, and that's going to lead to more opportunities that you probably can't even anticipate down the road. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, that's such a great point. Uh, I, I, I definitely want to emphasize that because I completely agree um, you know, the goal of, of doing this type of work is to create, it's, it's marketing is something that's done at scale, right? You're trying to reach a large audience um, with a particular message. You, you write an article, you want as many people as possible to see it. But ultimately, as you, as you really sort of start to reverse engineer that down to what your ultimate objective is, it's to make a, a it's to develop a relationship, mm. right? That's going to turn into new business. Um you know, I used to have my own small law firm. Yeah, I was doing marketing, trying to, you know, carpet bomb as many people as possible because uh, I wanted to get our message out. But there were maybe five people in my world who sent me 90% of, of the business at our law firm. Mm. And that's who really mattered. Now, I wanted to kind of hedge my bets again and and like start drawing additional people into my close circle and that kind of thing. But it doesn't need to be a huge amount. So that's right. At the, the ability to go on a, pl- you know, a platform like LinkedIn and develop a relationship with someone is super valuable. And, it's, and, it, and you never know. I, I always think of LinkedIn and other social platforms as places for serendipity to mm. take hold, right? I don't know. You know, again, I, same thing. Like I've not, we, we, we're not, we, we didn't start interacting because I think either of us had an expectation of getting something from mm. either one, but right. we just, I found your content interesting, I, your approach, you know, I had you on my podcast. Um, I'm now on yours. I learned something about you and, and, you know, the amazing family you have, like, it's just cool to be able to do this. And you know what, if we keep doing this type of stuff, I'm sure in the next, you know, five years, there'll be some opportunity for us to help each other in a different way, but it all starts with that relationship. And, and it's through having the courage and having the discipline to put our ideas out there that other people start taking notice of us. Um, Mm -hmm. And for something that is, is generous and meaningful. And that is, that is a really good starting point for these types of relationships that, you know, hopefully will blossom into something um, someday. I mean, it already has, but maybe something more, Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think I had never thought about that scale idea Mm-hmm. If I'm selling Coke, if I'm like Coca-Cola's board, I don't have time to sell 
Coke one person at a time. I just don't have right. time. Like I need to sell yeah. too much Coke. And so mm. I have to use billboards and TV and radio and all that stuff, product placement. Mm. But mm-hmm. I can't serve millions of criminal defendants. I can't do That's it. Right. Like I can only serve so many. And um, so I'm not a scalable business and that's not a bad thing. Like we don't have to make everything about scale. And so Mm -hmm. I can build five or 10 or 20 or 30 relationships. I can just do that. And I don't need anyone's permission. I can just go and do that one at a time. I don't have to become famous. I can just be cool to people and build those relationships. And so um, I think that's really a a great insight that it's not about selling millions of copies of a book or selling a bunch of soda. It's about having a few really strong relationships that lead to referrals and you're in, you're in business. You're, you have a great business there. That, that yeah, was, you do. That was valuable. You do. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, again, this is like, this is not scientific and you could never, you could never try to take action in accordance with this, this benchmark. But I always like to think for my own business now, cause I'm in consulting. It's, it's very, it's obviously very similar. I used to run a law practice, but I always think about it in terms of how do I, how do I have a marketing and business development system in place that ideally allows me to generate demand like 20% beyond my capacity? Mm-hmm. Like that was what I was thinking. Like, I don't want to be so overwhelmed that I can't process like what's coming my way. And I don't want to feel like I'm always like behind, behind and I'm, I, I'm ch- got to chase that next client. If I could get to that, that comfortable feeling of like 10 to 20% above capacity, I'm always you know, maybe turning down something because I've got, you know, my plate full. That's the kind of thing that allows you to um, choose better clients mm. uh, because you can be more discerning because you have the confidence that, you know, you've got enough work on your plate and you don't make those bad decisions that all of us have done at some point in our career of taking on a, taking on work because we feel desperate and also incrementally raising rates, right. And increasing profitability as a result, you know, your, your demand for your services is outstripping your supply a little bit. And as a result of that, just a little bit though, just a little bit. Now, how do you get there? It's really, that is to me really about just being strategic and consistent, meaning you're not doing what many lawyers do or anyone in professional services, um, you know, maybe has a tendency to do at some point, which is that really episodic sporadic approach, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm super busy. I got to drop everything, um, marketing or business development related. Oh crap. Now I'm, now I'm dead slow. and I don't <laughs> have any work and I need to go chase new work. And then it's just like this roller coaster up and down mm-hmm. and up and down. And if you can be more consistent, um, then you, I think you can find that right mix of like, you know, supply and demand, at least to a greater extent. And again, I think that comes back to relationships too. Like it's not helpful mm-hmm. to be a friend to someone yeah. Only when you're desperate or occasionally, right. like you've got to right. show up, you know? And yes. so whether you show up through podcasts or through LinkedIn or through an email newsletter or through lunches or whatever it is mm-hmm. your way, you got to show up consistently if you're going to expect mm-hmm. to build those relationships. Well, you're a great yeah. example of being consistent, Jay, and just, and just bringing great quality and value. Um, your LinkedIn is fantastic. So I would really encourage people to follow you there. Um, tell us a little bit more about if somebody wanted to work more with you or wanted some more help with getting their content creation, their thought leadership going, what's the best way that they could reach out to you and start working with you? Um, yeah, I would say you can certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to actually reach out, uh, you know, direct message to me there, or you could visit my website, which is 
hcommunications.biz.biz. And you can find all my contact information there and, and more information about our services. Um, be happy to, you know, answer any questions anyone might have. Um, and if you want to learn more and just kind of see uh, and, and understand a little bit more about our philosophy and process and that kind of thing, um, you could check out my podcast, which is the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Besides my episode, it's a very good podcast and you're, you're doing great work there. You've had, you've had some amazing guests on, so it's really commendable. And I hope to be as good at, at podcasting as you one day. So, Oh, well, that's, that's very nice of you to say, Joshua, but you, you're doing a great job and your episode was great. I do recommend people listen to that. Cause if you're, you know, I know you talk about referrals and whatnot, but I think, I think that episode was really informative and we got a lot of great feedback on it. So oh, great that's job. Kind of you. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Jay. This has been awesome for me, and I'm sure that many people will find this useful. So thank you. Thank you for having me.